episode of Talking Maiden. Podcast of the Beast. Of the Beast. How you doing, Nesbeth? I'm doing great. Fantastic. No prayer day. No prayer for the dying, yeah. Oh, wow. So we've been putting this one off for a while. We have. We got a bunch of requests to do it, so. Yeah, back to the studio albums, you know. It's, uh, it's yep. good. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a controversial one. Will it be controversial? People that think that we just uh, get yeah. on here and talk about how awesome Maiden is all the time. Yeah. Finally, I have some criticisms. Yeah. Hold your horses, because we're about to uh, talk about the best album of all time. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some some low points, some good points, too, though. Yeah. This is one of those albums that I always kind of put off listening to, and I don't listen to that much. Yeah. I listen to Tail Gunner a lot. Yeah, you do, yeah. Like, I put that on pretty much every playlist or mix that I make. But uh, as an album as a whole, it's one of my lower-ranked ones. Yeah. But then when I was listening to it, it's not nearly as bad as I had it made out to be. Yeah. Like, I know all the songs, and when I actually think of them, I, I kind of forget that a lot of them are actually pretty good. I guess there's a big difference between Maiden crushing it and an album being bad. Yeah. You know, there's a, a lot of, of in-between. Yeah. yeah. And it's then, kind of the end of the classic run of albums that they had on the go. It is. Yeah. Because this, what, completely follows, what, Seventh Son, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of them, I think it is my favorite album. I've said before. Oh, Seventh Son, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it follows that. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, I know. Not, it's, you know, it's not Eighth Son of an Eighth Son. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Well, um, uh, before we get into uh, talking about the album too much. Yes, I'm too sober. Let's get our beer on the go. Said no What do we got? Today. We've got a ten penny stock ale. It's a heritage series. It's a Moosehead. Moosehead's like a big brewery. Right. I'd say it's a medium sized brewery. Um, by like it's not like a Labatt, Coors, Molson thing, but it's you know, it's big. It's Moosehead, New Brunswick. I think isn't Moosehead it? is owned by Yeah, it's the Olin family or whatever. Didn't they have that murder recently? Like the son oh, yeah, of the did. father right. or something? Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a small batch, which I'm, I'm going to be critical on this if it isn't right. I used to be a Moosehead Red drinker, you know, way back before. Oh, yeah, me too. Back way in back in the day. day. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was, like, cool. But um, I, I think it might be one of those situations where they're like, we're a big company, we're going to do, like, a craft thing. So this could be... Yeah, we day. had one of these on before. It was... I don't think it was... I can't remember if it was Moosehead. But it was a small... It was a macro brewery that did, like, a, a small batch. Yeah. And it was, like, they're trying to, you know, get a chunk of the a craft macro. beer market. Yeah. Macro doing a micro. Yeah. All right. And what's this one called? Ten Penny Stock Ale. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. I love that song. Such a great <laughs> tune. All right. Hold so on. the... Uh, it has a distinct... beer so far, it sounds good when you open the cans. <laughs> it, it has a distinctive beer color. <laughs> I always wonder what these like. Do they actually brew it at a place like Mooseheaders? Is it just one of those like things where they've got a couple of brewmasters have been wanting to do something creative? Like you know, I don't know how small of a batch, a small batch for like a big brewery like that. I don't know how small it actually is. It's foamy. Like I even seem to get to the, the beer I've been drinking through foam. I know. I'm the same way. I can't get any taste and flavor out of it. I don't know what to make. It Underwhelming. Is. Underwhelming would be an interesting way to put it. I've got a glass of foam. Did I get any beer? I have I don't know I can't seem to get any flavor out of this. <laughs> it's like a glass of foam. Oh my god, this is horrible. I think it's, yeah, yeah. It tastes like. I think this beer just doesn't have much flavor. It yeah. is like a, a moose head. It's a stock ale. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what mine <laughs> sit. I'm gonna try it. Can now you imagine if we did this podcast like 
20 years ago, we'd be like, all right, today we're trying Labatt Light. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what do you think? Mm, I don't know. I don't know there's a big difference in Labatt and Labatt Light. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, it's 0.4% less beer. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's weird because, yeah, this was like when I was starting drinking, which was like 26 or 7 years ago. It's like when you start, you don't like beer that much. Yeah. So you're trying to find beer with no flavor. So you're drinking like ice cold, like light beers. Crank so it you can pound them as fast as you can. Yeah. And now it's like, it's the opposite. I, I know. Flavor. Do you know something like that I noticed about going out now is I'm always super hungover the next day and people say, oh, it's you're getting older. No, I'm crushing like eight different 7% or six different, maybe yeah, five you're hitting those IPAs, different yeah. seven, six, seven percent cloudy IPA. One's an IPA, one's like a stout, some are barrel aged with bourbon in them. And yeah. you wake up next day, I'm like, I got a headache. And people are like, well, you shouldn't add seven beer. I'm like seven, seven pints. Yeah. Of like all the different... The extra p- couple of percentages of alcohol really creeps up on you. Plus it's draft. Yeah. They say that. And unfiltered. Yeah. Unfiltered. I don't know. It's basically, if you work it out, seven of those, I mean, it's like 3,000 calories. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but I talked it off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this beer right. sucks. Yeah, this isn't a great one. I'm going to let my... This beer sit. sucks. Now let's get to the album. I'm going to let it sit here until all the foam goes away and then I'm going to see if I can get any taste out of this beer. This is like the beer you get at a gas station. Yeah. It's a bit better than that. It tastes like gas station beer to me. Alcohol-fueled cars. One for People you, should know that uh, for me. That where we live in gas stations, you can buy like macro yeah. beers, but you can't buy any craft beer yeah, in gas stations here. It's like... So when Josh says it tastes like a gas station beer, it means like no good Coors beer. Light or yeah. Molson Canadian. It's the major yeah. breweries. Yeah. Well, that's that, what this and is, all basically. Their, all their different versions of piss. Yeah. I think we got duped by their marketing agency. <laughs> Small batch. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no prayer for the dying. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just one of those ad hoc <laughs> marketing where you're like, oh, this small batch beer sucks, and the guy pops out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, that's why the classic taste of Molson, of Moosehead Normal, is where you want to be. In the look of a craft beer. The cra- like, you've got it all. <laughs> and that's why you should stick to the tried and true. All right. No prayer for the dying. Released yes. October 1st, 1990. Yeah. Recorded June to September 1990. Yeah. So I said earlier, I think this is like the la- the end of the classic run that Maiden had of albums. Yeah. Which I guess people would say start at... I would say starts with the first album. Yeah. But I think a lot of people think that like... Uh, Number of the Beast is where this like... They start hitting on all cylinders and don't stop. Yeah. And then this one's the first like misstep sort of. 1990... No internet. You could ask out a girl with an illegal contract. It were simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> the grunge was just on the horizon. Yeah, that's true. And uh, yeah, so it's, it is an interesting transition time as well. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Steve Harris said this was originally going to be called Prayer for the Dying. Yeah. But he thought, he said this in an interview. He said uh, he didn't think Eddie would give anyone a prayer. So they changed it to No Prayer for the Dying. Wow. And uh, it's Yannick's first album. Um, I read an interview with Yannick and he said that this is his first band and his first album with a band with two guitarists. He'd always been the sole guitarist and had a keyboard player with him if he had a second instrument. Um, but I guess he's not counting Gog Magog. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's like hoping no one brings up Gog Magog. Yeah. Cause he had Pete Willis from Def Leppard and Gog Magog with him. Remember Gog Magog is, uh, something he wants to maybe he wants forget. To forget. <laughs> we covered that. In some episode. In the Yannick episode. One. In the Yannick episode, yeah, right. we did it, yeah. Right. Was, I think you had a clip or two. I did. There might, have been, a little there might have been clips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go down the limb and say there's a clip. Yeah, refresh my memory on the Yannick stuff. 
because um, I always forget his his time timeline because I know before this he'd recorded with Bruce. Right. Right. Yeah. With the Tattooed Millionaire. That's right. Right. And then Adrian left, and he kind of. Yeah. What year was in. Tattooed Millionaire again? We covered it on the podcast. Nineteen ninety. It was in ninety. It's the same year as this. And I've read a Japanese interview with Dave Murray, and he says the songs are very raw. It sounds like a follow up to Number of the Beast. So it's like. Maiden trying to get back to its roots and like stripping away the big stage show and the concepts and the layering and the production. Um, You know, there are no more spandex. They're back to like jeans and t-shirt. It's like an Iron Maiden's hard rock album. If you look at Hooks and You, Holy Smoke, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter. Yeah. It's kind of going in that hard rock direction. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. So I guess it depends what you want from your Maiden. If you want hard rock from Maiden, you probably love this. But if you kind of want Seventh Son or power slave type stuff you're kind of disappointed and that's kind of the camp i'm in yeah yeah although now like looking back now looking at it i can kind of accept it for what it is and it's i guess they're trying something new yeah i guess it just got layered on between power slave and and you know peace of mind power slave they amped it up they took yeah, the you go, a whole new level yeah and then they started to bring in all those funky sounds and somewhere in time in seventh sun yep. maybe it was just people when they got pan remember with seventh sun yeah and like the stage just, show yeah. too how big and huge it got right it was like they gradually went from like beast peace of mind power slave somewhere in time seventh sun yeah everything was getting bigger and huger and like but it gradually was like getting developing into this huge like stage yeah. show and just the sound and everything but then in one album, they go back to like a wall of amps on the stage and jeans and t-shirt and like stripped down production. Wow. So it's kind of an, I don't know, it's abrupt. Kiss, it's Kiss without the makeup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah. Maiden's version of like taking their makeup off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because I mean, you think of the stage sets leading up to this and yeah, then they kind of, but it's very abrupt. They, it takes like so many albums to get to the point they were at. And then in one album, they try to like erase it all and it's kind of off-putting i think for fans yeah so maiden up to this point kind of it feels like they're like progressing and moving forward and this feels like a big step backwards to me you know what i mean the eddies are kind of like that too they're kind of uh i don't know if you look at the eddies on like no prayer holy smoke bring your daughter to the slaughter yeah and there's like a promo eddie that has like a claw for a hand and stuff and they're pretty rough looking and you look one album back at the seven sun stuff with all those like weird psychedelic eddies yeah it's kind of i guess they're trying to get grittier with the eddies too but i these are some of my least favorite eddies too yeah i look forward to breaking on the cover we'll get into that yeah we'll get into that but like there's no concept or anything like it's all just i don't know you know they're gone back to an eddie coming out of the grave yeah which they had kind of already done on live after death and now they're like kind of rehashing it in a not as good version (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and i think like i always wonder like they see you see like appetite for destruction which was like a mega huge success at the time and like guns and roses they're kind of gritty and dangerous yeah and i wonder if maiden kind of looked around and they were kind of like well guns and roses anthrax and megadeth a bunch of bands like that had opened for them on their seven sun tour yeah i'm wondering if they're seeing all this going on around them while they have like their spandex and their huge like you know what i mean stage show yeah. And I think maybe they were like, are we kind of irrelevant? We got to kind of get with the times. Yeah. You know, and Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer were huge at the time. And I think they're like, if we want to be relevant, we kind of got to drop all this and get back to. Yeah, still only six years since Power Slave, though. Which I yeah, guess. Yeah, it all happened so fast. Yeah, I guess if you're that age, it feels like a long time. But 
Yeah. To me, yeah. I mean, sometimes that, that really frustrates me that you got to know what you are. I know artists they constantly want to reinvent themselves and be ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be stagnant either. You don't want to be stagnant. I know. There's a whole argument here, but what are you? Right? Yeah. I mean, Bruce came in and took you to a whole new level. Yeah, you're going to go back, but we'll get into the vocal stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But it kind of seems like this album's like feels like they were trying to get with the times, and it didn't quite work for me. It didn't. No. Uh, this I would compare this to kind of what Metallica did with St. Anger. Do you remember when St. Anger came out? Yes. It's like super raw production, no yeah. solos, stripped down, back to basics. Not well received by many. And not at all. It was horrible. I think that was a terrible album. The drums yeah. sound like, and guitars just sound like crap. It sounds kind of like a bunch of quickly written stuff that wasn't finished. And that's kind of how I feel about this album. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. And, it, you know, maybe they were under... I don't know, pressure to get it out, but yeah. from my perspective, if you're going to change and go back to the original, and if you're going to make a comparison like yeah. Harrison did, that that Harris did, that, you know, want to follow, like, back to Number of the Beast, I mean, yeah. you gotta, well, they said that's they pretty wanted, yeah. tall phrase, right? you gotta, you got to deliver on that. Well, Steve Harris said they wanted to get back to the killer's sound. Yeah, killer sound, okay. Which, But, like, those songs were worked on forever. They were. Where this is songs written in a barn next to Steve Harris's house with yeah. a mobile recording studio, like, written in... Most of them, there's a couple of songs that were written in like a day. I think there was one the first day they wrote a couple of the songs. Yeah. I don't know. They're not, I don't feel like they're crafted. It's kind of like what Bruce did with his Tattooed Millionaire, which was immediately before this, where he just kind of like gets an idea, they flesh it out into a song, and they're like, that's good enough, on to the next one. You know what I mean? That's right. It's like they want to try to capture some kind of spontaneity, but it works better, I think, when they work and work and work on the songs. You just raised a key point there. Because... And the No Adrian is a huge yeah. difference too. Oh, it's huge, obviously, yeah. but he's not the problem. Well, that's why he left, basically. Yeah. Yeah. The but this following tattooed millionaire is kind of like a swing and a miss, a swing and a miss. You know, in a sense, yeah, like he's true in the maiden universe. Yeah. yeah. And the big change here for me, obviously, is their sound, which we'll break into. But yeah, and they said they wanted, yeah, they said they wanted like a raw sound. Hmm. And I don't know if this sounds raw. Maybe raw is in like half cooked ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't have like. I don't know. Like, Killers has this energy, in, but the song structures are just amazing. Yeah, I get the idea of raw. I yeah. get the concept of it. But, like, you know, anyone who's ever done a good acoustic album, usually it means that you need to be more on, um, you know, at, a, at that, that basic level. And I don't know. Ah, the vocals are, are really rough, so... Yeah, we'll get into the we'll vocals so we when we get into the songs. Like, I was saying the songs don't sound that strong. It sounds kind of rushed. Um, just listen to this clip. One track, obviously, on the new album is a bit of an old one, which is one that was written by Bruce before for a, a film. Probably about... Not an old song I mean, at all. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that old. I mean, But I mean, the, the rest of the stuff, I think we wrote, uh, pretty much we wrote in about a week, didn't we? Couple couple of, you, you, had some week. you had some ideas. So that's Bruce, and he's saying that they pretty much wrote this whole album in a week. Oh my god. It kind of sounds like it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of ideas that they had. Yeah. And when they say wrote, I think they probably... Brought in ideas and flushed them out. And they called Derek Riggs the night before the album's getting printed. <laughs> yeah. So try us a cover and yeah. uh, we'll be there in the morning to pick it up. But I think Adrian was right about wanting the three months to write. Because Adrian wanted three months to write and work on the songs. Yeah. And, you know, Steve wanted the like quick written songs to kind of get with the current climate of metal at the time. And you have Yannick and Bruce contributing. And, I mean, you heard, you know what happens when the two of them wrote Tattooed Millionaire. Yeah. So that's kind of their influence. I don't know. I think these are good starting points for a lot of Maiden songs. Yeah. It could have been a lot better if they worked on them. Yeah. And that's part of the Adrian, you know, 
the lack of Adrian, I think. Yeah, it, yeah it's really telling. So these are like basically hard, simple hard rock songs with simple production. On the earlier and the later albums, if some of these songs popped up in the writing process, I think Steve would have like maidenized the hell out of them. Yeah. It's not really just a quick songwriting, because we saw in the other albums, Maiden can write like an album's worth of stuff pretty quick. Uh, the Kevin Shirley era stuff. You know, it's full of like live off the floor stuff and first takes and like stuff that they recorded in the studio really quick. So I don't think the quick recording is the problem. I think it's like Steve had no desire to like he's kind of trying to make a break with the old maiden. So, so why know. why did they record then like in a mobile setup outside of his place? Like why didn't they go back to, you know, the... Well, they had studio time booked. Yeah. And they got together and rehearsed and the song the idea started coming up so quick. Yeah. They were like, well Steve was like, let's get a mobile recording studio in here in the barn next to my house and set up and just like do the album really quick and that's what they did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. Another thing on this album is the solos. I find where Adrian left Adrian kind of, like, grounds Dave Murray a bit. So Dave Murray can go off and improvise these, like, awesome solos. He kind of held down the structure, and Murray was, like, a counterpoint to that. And now Murray has to kind of take on that role, because Yannick's kind of more the wild one. Yeah, It's it, it's all a little bit more wild-sounding, the solos and stuff. Yeah, they're all over the place. A bit yeah, solos. yeah. And the lyrics on a lot of these songs are crap. <laughs> they, like, I don't know, they not only abandon the old style of maiden production and song structures, yeah. but, like, the lyrical themes. You get, like, hooks in you and bring your daughter to the slaughter and holy smoke. It's, yeah. I don't know. Like I can't we, wait to I can't, wait to, I can't, yeah. I don't mean to keep comparing this to, like, Tattooed Millionaire, which came before this, but, like, it's a lot of that same kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek Bruce Dickinson lyrics, which I don't really care for. Yeah, like, I uh, I can't wait to get into these tracks and break that down, because yeah. some of them are just ridiculous. Yeah. And then there are some lyrics um, that are just awesome, that could be totally maidenized, but then they're they're wrapped in, yeah. you know, cheese. something else. I know. Super cheese, which is yeah. okay, too, at the same yeah. time. You know, like, you gotta remember, it's 1990, yeah. and, you know, what's, what is it, a year or two, or right around, smells like teen spirit, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Where it was crazy and all about sound and cheese worked, but when you're an established band at this level, yeah, you have some such of it a, seems to me a bit ridiculous. You have such a track record of like yeah. these lyric, lyrically like deep and heavy songs, mm. and then you're coming out with stuff like this, like Holy Smoke, yeah, or even Hooks in You, like I don't know, it's cheesy. And like I know we're gonna get into this as we get through the tracks, but like. Yeah. Bruce, don't try to be Paul Diano. Singing in a raspy voice does not make it sound like killers. Doesn't work. Like forcing a rasp on your voice doesn't make you sound like the new, the next yeah. killers. Doesn't work. Yeah. So we're going to take on this uh, structure for No Prayer. It's going to take us quite a few episodes to get through this. We're going to break up some of the, the background on across a few and get into some tracks now. Uh, or a little in a little bit, and then go back through it. We'll talk about the cover art as we get going. We'll talk about some of the the Yannick versus Adrian, and, and I, I can't wait to hear a little bit about Dave's input on that. And uh, we'll get into those in the next coming episodes. But we're kind of yeah. Let's get right into the tracks. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a few tracks. Most so we'll, of the time we'll keep... when we do these multi episode ones, yeah, we like talk for like fifty minutes, and we're like, oh, we can squeeze a track in at the end. <laughs> yeah, we backload the tracks. Yeah. So but, let's get into the tracks now. Yeah. But actually, one of the reasons... And with when, tracks comes the clips. With tracks comes <laughs> clips. And with the... One of the reasons I was... Uh, when, I, when I messaged you, I was like, let's let's split the tracks. is because there's quite a dynamic in this album of like, good, then bad, bad, then good. Yeah, that's and, true. And we're like, you know, you compare it. I'm like, oh, that's... It, it feels like when we look through some of the B-sides, 
you know, some of the B-sides are really good. And then they're paired with this, like, what were they thinking? Yeah. <laughs> you bought that album. And then, you know, like, literally this album, there's points where it starts to get momentum. Yeah. I something. did that when we, like, we did a bunch of B-side episodes already. Yeah. And there's still a whole bunch of non-album tracks left over. And I'm trying to divide them up into chunks to do them in episodes so we can cover every Maiden track. Yeah. And I've been, like, like being like, let's do a good one, good one, bad one, bad one, good one. <laughs> like, I don't want to do all the bad ones. You know what I mean? Uh, totally. No, I'd want to do the uh, Sheriff of Huddersfields and the Nodding Donkey Blues and the <laughs> Past the Jams and all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, that's for another episode. Definitely. First track, Tail Gunner. Tail Gunner. I like it. So it's Steve Harris and Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. I think this is the best song on the album by far. I don't, but okay. uh, it's it's top two. Climb into the sky So people say they're like rehashing the World War II thing, but like I'm a hundred percent okay with Maiden writing like as many of these songs as they want with like a World War II theme as long you know putting a new spin on it. Yeah. Um, it's the intro is kind of similar to the Clairvoyant the bass yeah. run. It's a really solid opener, and this is what they opened the No Prayer on the Road tour set list with. And you get like a hint of Bruce's rasp on the song. That raspy voice that I don't like. But it's not bad here. It kind of works. It's okay. Yeah. Compare this sound to the last album, Seventh Son. It sounds more stripped down than Seventh Son. It's basically like bass and drums and sparse guitar without a load of like guitar effects and keyboards. Yeah. But it's not like... It doesn't sound as rough as the rest of the album. No, it's got a good pace. I yeah. Think that's part of it. Like yeah. Especially the solos are really pacey. And it, it keeps the song going. And yeah. the, the chorus is just really straightforward. So you don't hear as raspy it. And yeah. you're right, it does start strong. Is this a Bruce or a Steve song? It says Steve Harris, Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, but so. I mean, from your perspective. I would say it's written on the bass by Steve Harris, that yeah. intro. That's, I think that's... the lyrics were Bruce, and I say Steve probably wrote the song. Fair. A lot of people online I read are like analyzing lyrics and picking apart the lyrics. They're like, I don't know, people are complaining that like, it says nail that Fokker, kill that son, and they're like, Fokkers were in World War One, not World War Two, And I'm like, I think it's a bunch of like bomber related lyrics thrown together i don't think you need to analyze it that deep it's like bruce yeah. dickinson you know i think like basically you know it's loosely based around world war ii bombers and they use fokker to stand in for any german fighter and it's basically a, w- a way to say like the f word on an album without actually saying it yeah and i think kill that sun also might be like the japanese zeros you know how they had like the rising sun emblem Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured anyway. And the t-shirt for this tour had that shoot that Fokker on the back with the tour dates. Oh, and they man. recently reissued that. You can get it in the Iron Maiden website now. Yeah, you just got to kind of accept the genre. Remember when we when we broke down, I can't remember what, what it was we broke down now, but we talked about like World War One planes? Yeah. And I remember I was thinking at the time, the Wright Brothers, I think I went back and read through the timeline. Like it was a little earlier than we had, we had talked about. And yeah. And there was quite a... Not much of an near presence, but there was a decent in World War Two or World War One. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot though. Yeah, a lot less than you'd think, and and we should revisit that. Yeah, but then you have like the Red Baron. So yeah, 
I don't know if it was so much a dogfight, but yeah, yeah. They were. They were literally like pointing their plane at someone and pulling oh, a trigger. I took down to three them. kites today. <laughs> <laughs> and a bird. Well, they were biplanes and triplanes. Yeah, that's right. Hey, this is Linda from the Iron Maidens. Hi, this is Courtney from the Iron Maidens. And you're listening to Talking, Talking Maidens. Another thing in the song is they mentioned Dresden. So that's a reference to the firebombing of Dresden, yeah. which is like very controversial. I think like 25,000 civilians killed. That's right. And uh, yeah, I read all about this today when I was like being an Iron Maiden nerd. So this first wave of bombers like dropped flares and heavy bombs to take out like the water supply and the infrastructure. Yeah. And then they dropped incendiary bombs on the city and it turned into a huge fireball because they'd taken out the water mains and stuff so they couldn't put the fires out. And it basically, like, it was this huge firestorm. They said that the firestorm was so intense, and the heat, the updraft from the heat, like, uprooted trees out of the ground. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And they were like, this was like, we're going to bring the Germans to their knees. It's payback for the Blitz. But it wasn't really a military target, so it's kind of controversial. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Dam Busters. That story. You know, Is that the, the one with the rolling bombs? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, really cool. A uh, friend of mine... Um, his his great uncle was a dam buster. Oh yeah. And so his father um, created the Dam Buster Museum in Hamilton. Okay. And cool. they actually got one of the original planes and he got like an award. He got the key to the city and he did he goes around talking with the dam busters. They get all the descendants to go back. Right. So if people don't know about that, they yeah. were trying to find a way to bomb dams. Well, they did not get the German dams which were right. running. Like so they came bombs. up with these like spinning yeah. bombs that would start spinning in the yeah. plane. It had a depth charge. Yeah. So it was and when they barrel. dropped it, it would bounce on the water. Yeah. It would skip once or twice and then it would hit and it would spin down and it would it would depth charge and it would blow up underwater at a high enough depth there was so much pressure that the explosion would largely go right into the dam. Anyway, it would knock out the power infrastructure. Of course, there was mass flooding and there was always casualties downstream but yeah. c'est la vie. Yeah. It's war. This is part of what I love about like all these Iron Maiden. People are like yeah. Enough with the World War II stuff. And I'm like, man, bring it on. I can talk about this all day. <laughs> like, you can have enough of it, can you? It's so good. Yeah, military history and heavy metal go together pretty great. Don't they? <laughs> so if this is talking about Dresden, then that would mean these would be Lancaster bombers or B-17 flying fortresses. And they yeah. both have tail gunners in the rear. And the single... So this is the cover art for the tail gunner. Wow. And it's... Uh, it's Eddie with the four machine guns. That's actually not the single four tail gunner. It's art that was made for it. And that's the Russian version of No Prayer for the Dying, where they use that art as the cover art. Yeah, I was going to say because we didn't, when we did our best covers, I've never saw this before. I've yeah. never seen this. Yeah, that's the Russian version of the No Prayer album. This is amazing. Album. So who drew the cover, I wonder? That's Derek Riggs. Really? Yep. It's amazing for all our listeners out there. Just picture something <laughs> awesome. So you can Google it online, but it's basically Eddie in the tail of a bomber with like four machine guns shooting yeah. out. And he originally did one that was like the whole plane, he said, but it, and it was totally detailed. But like he had to zoom up so much to fit Eddie into it that you could hardly see the cool. Eddie. So he had to redo it. With You should put that picture on this episode. Uh, we yeah, I'll post it up on yeah. uh, whatever social media. We'll do it on both. Definitely. But that's, that's my, awesome. yeah, this is the Russian version. Which I found online. Yeah, which if you don't have the Russian version, you're not a true fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're a geek. <laughs> so that's a Lancaster bomber in that picture. I had a phase when I was young when uh, I was like totally into B-17 flying fortresses, those bombers. Yeah. 
Um, you see them in a lot of World War II movies. Did you see that movie Memphis Belle? No. That's about a B-17, and it came out in 1990. So I had this, like, perfect storm of, like, like that movie coming out. And then I went to England for the summer with my parents. My dad was working over there for the summer. And I went to the Imperial War Museum at Duxford. And they had a restored B-17, one of the ones they used in the movie. And it was like, it flew around and then you could go walk around it and stuff. And I was totally into these planes and then I actually got to like see one fly. And I was like obsessed with them when I was young. And uh, it was like my favorite plane for a long time when I was a kid. And this was like, I was right into those planes. And then I heard this song and I was just like, it blew my mind. Yeah. So I just love the song. Were you like that? When you were a kid, did you and your friends all have like favorite fighter jets? Oh, of course. Yeah, I remember I liked the F-4 Phantom was like my favorite and I looked the F-111 Aardvark, and the F-4 Phantom was, like, my ultimate. You see those F-4 Phantoms in, like, a lot of Vietnam clips dropping, like, napalm strikes. I thought those were the cool with, like, the way their wings were shaped. Yeah, that's so cool with the, yeah. Yeah, the V-shaped thing. Yeah. The um, We used to collect the styrofoam ones. Remember those? Oh, yeah. Like, all <laughs> the styrofoam planes. Um, on the B-17, did you ever see, did we bring this up, you ever see the cartoon Heavy Metal? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I forgot all about That's that. That's an awesome yeah. scene. Remember where the, the guy's flying along and yeah. everybody's dead? Derek Riggs's first published work was a cover of Heavy Metal in like the 70s. No. Heavy Metal comic book, yeah. Wow. That's I love first. that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my faves. I gotta get a copy of that. I haven't seen that since I was a little kid. Yeah. The other one is uh, B, the B-17, the story about the B-17, about the guy who was, uh, um, he flew over a long day bombing run, was limping back. Everyone was dead, except for him and another guy. And they were just going on one engine. They were like cruising back to England, and uh, a, f- a German fighter jet came up. Do you remember that story? It was like famous. Was I don't a think do- I heard documentary maybe. A fighter jet came up, and the guy who was flying was this ace, who a German ace who had swore his brother, who was a Lutheran minister, that he would never take a life that he didn't have to take. And he flew right behind him. And he stayed right behind him, and he 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 flew up alongside him and looked him in the eye and gave him a salute and then went behind him and the guy thought he was just saying goodbye and then he just followed him and it kept all the air attacks away and he shepherded oh, okay. him back and left him okay anyway he was like wounded pretty much yeah so yeah. that totally like that pilot just still stuck with him and he decided to track him down and they became buddies and started fishing together oh that's and cool and then his family in the 80s had a uh, event in Florida and they brought every descendant of the people that were left on the plane, and they gave them an honor. It was like so. Perfect. Iron Maiden write a song with that already. Yeah, that's perfect. That's an awesome one. Speaking of, okay, another B seventeen story. There is, and this is totally like material for a Maiden song. So, I'll mention this because well, Number of the Beast is six hundred and sixty six. So there was a B seventeen in World War Two that was known as Old Six Six Six. And it got this reputation for being cursed because every time it went out, it got like shot up and damaged and like barely, barely limped back to base. So eventually it got like parked and used for like parts at an airstrip. And there was this American captain, uh, Captain Jay Zemer, and he decided to fix it up and he restored it and added a bunch of modifications. And it went from 10 to 19 machine guns and it became the most heavily armed bomber in the war. And it, it was called Old 666. And Maiden should totally do a, a song about it. Oh, man. There's all these stories about it. Like, there's one time when it got intercepted by 17 Japanese fighters. And it held them all off and damaged a bunch of them. It took, like, major damage and had, like, the cockpit blown out. But they managed to get to back to base with the captain unconscious. Wow. Um, and there's another story about, like, the nose gunner got shot up by a Japanese fighter. And he climbed out of the nose gunner position. Yeah. 
because it was like blown apart. But then he climbed back into it and shot the fighter down right before he lost consciousness and died. And there's all these crazy stories about it uh, getting pummeled by like the enemy and making it back to base. And this is all perfect. And it's called Old 666. It's oh like basically pre-written for me. That's <laughs> like, perfect for the next Make an awesome album. song about that. Oh my God, Bruce. That's pretty cool. If you're yeah. listening, <laughs> call Nesbitt. Let's work it out. Another thing in the song, the last thing about bombers I'll bring up. They mentioned the Enola Gay, which is a B-29 super fortress. It's like an updated version of the B-17. It was the, the Enola Gay is the bomber that dropped the bomb on Hiroshima yeah. at the end of the war. And that's why they're like, now that this tail gunner's gone, no more bombers, just one big bomb. That's what they say at the end of the song. Yeah. It's kind of like the days of dogfighting rover because it's all like yeah. big weapons now. So. Yeah. Now it's drones. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But uh, anyway, songs about World War II bombers, like I'd take an album full of these. Yes, please. <laughs> Double album. So the actual song itself, we were talking about the bass intro which I think is awesome. And that's why I kind of think, well, Steve Harris's name is listed first on the writing credits. And this totally sounds like something that Steve Harris came up with. really cool it's like a it's just a really cool like doodle doodle i love that yeah, it's awesome. bass part. It's awesome. right. and i also love the way the guitar comes in it's like he's playing that and then these like harmonic it's not harmonics it's because i watched live video of, of them playing it it's just like like plucking empty strings over that riff but it sounds so cool dying for this to come back when we didn't know what the legacy of the beast set list was going to be I'm yeah. like please bring tail gunner back yeah this is probably the yeah it would probably be my favorite um from the tracks that they played live that i would want to hear again perhaps yeah from this yeah if i had to pick one song off this album to add to the live set list it'd be this actually live the song sounds great it's uh bruce kind of like sings it a little better i think live it has like a more, more like urgent feel to it. Kind of like it has more of an Aces High vibe compared to the album version. It's like uh, the lyrics, who shot who and who fired first, dripping death to wet the bloodthirst. It kind of reminds me of, remember uh, in Death or Glory when he's like, I kill to quench my thirst? Yeah. It's kind of like a tie back to this. Yeah, I like It's pretty that. cool. Absolutely. But an awesome song. The beauty of that live track is that he's actually singing it. Yeah. Well, that's why I said live. <laughs> the, he sings it way better live. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that, that's awesome. I'm surprised on Legacy of the Beast it wasn't considered. Maybe it was considered. I'm surprised it didn't make it now. You know, when you 
reviewing it now, it would have been a good throwback to this album for the legacy. Yeah. Nothing from this album made the. Yeah, made that's the true. Set I didn't think about it. And then they had the whole three or four songs. With, yeah. This uh, album's pretty much ignored. Yeah. On the current tour. Yeah. Current few tours, but the solos we didn't talk about. So Yannick has a solo, and then Dave Murray. It's like a two-parter. Yeah. Yannick's is really heavy on the whammy bar. Not really that memorable. Dave's is better. This is the first example of like the new guitar player dynamic. So Dave used to be like the wild card. You know what I mean? But yeah. now he's kind of more the controlled one. And Yannick's like the wild card. Yeah. Like Adrian used to do like... he would, Adrian would have came up with like a really composed melodic solo. Yeah. And then Dave would have just went off and done something like wild. Yeah. Like high energy. But now Yannick does that. And like Dave, when he does his solo, he kind of has to like rein it in a bit. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really high pace, and yeah. um, you know when when I was, it's funny now that you you talk about. It. I wasn't really in the mindset of Adrian out of it. I knew he wasn't in this album. Yeah, but I never really analyzed it from that perspective when I was going yeah. through the solo list. You notice it in a lot of songs that there's like yeah. a really melodic solo missing. That would yeah. I don't know. They go back and forth a lot too. There's a yeah. few songs later on where they've got I think three and even four, or four and even five solos at one stage. Yeah, Mother of so, Russia. They're back and forth, back and yeah. forth, back and forth constantly. Like, yeah. Which, which is cool, and I love the pace in this, and I yeah. find the solo that's a song. And overall, I would put this as one of the top tracks, Yeah, and it's a great opener. Yeah. Um, so, so if this, the whole album yeah. was this quality, this would be like one of my favorite Maiden albums. Ooh. If. Yeah. If. If. <laughs> if. If every song was like the best song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I'd give this song a really high rating. Yeah. Nine into ten. I'd give this like a nine and a half. Nine and five nine eights. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly. Holy smoke. So, holy smoke. And here's yeah. where we start uh, the first of the missteps. So, uh, this is uh, Steve Harris Dickinson again. This was actually bounced around early as a potential title for the album, Holy Smoke. Mm. And this one, for some reason, they actually released as a single. I have the cassette single of it here. Oh, cool. That's, yeah. That is really cool. It covers, I don't mind the cover. I'm not a big fan of the Eddie's face looks a little rough. But I don't mind the, the concept of him on the flaming TVs is kind of cool. Yeah, all in your mind. And this is, yeah. I think, one of the very, very few Maiden songs with a swear word in it. Not including, like, Nico on the B-sides and the listen with Nico commentaries. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I just, like, I, I, lo I like a lot of it, this song. And, yeah. and I want to like it. And it's a great follow. And it keeps the pace up and yeah. you're into the album. I like the subject matter and what the, where they're going with it. Yeah, but what the hell are they work. saying, though? Well, yeah. it's basically about televangelists, right? Like, some people say that this is a song that, like, mocks religion. But I think it's, like, the opposite. It's mocking people that are, like, using religion to manipulate people. You know, like, con artists. Not actually religion itself. Because in the late 80s, like, right before this album came out, there's a huge rash of, like, televangelist scandals. And that's what he's talking about when he says, like, Jimmy Reptile and all his friends say they're going to be with you at the end, burning book records, burning books. Jimmy Reptile, he also makes reference to Jimmy Reptile in that Lord Iffy Boat Race novel that he had just finished writing when this album was out. So I read an interview with Bruce Dickinson, and he said that's a reference to Jimmy Swagger. So Jimmy Swagger was a televangelist, like, you know, those guys preaching about, like, 
sin and everything. And in 1988, he got caught with a prostitute. And he was actually, Jimmy Swagger was actually cousins with Jerry Lee Lewis. Really? Yeah. Who, uh, you know, the great balls of fire. Who also married a cousin. Married his 13-year-old cousin. <laughs> Two cousins in yeah. one. And then, so then he came on TV and made this, like, apology or whatever. Okay. But then in 1991, he got busted with another prostitute. So I think the song is all about, like, the hypocrisy. You know, I mean, Holy Smoke is like, send us your money kind of yeah. thing. And then there's, like, Jim Baker. Remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? In 1987, Jim Baker's secretary accused him of drugging and raping her. And he got convicted of fraud and sentenced to 45 years in prison. Wow. So he, like, Bill Cosby'd her. Yeah. <laughs> the, and Robert Tilton was another one, late 80s. Yeah. He was, like, scamming people and got sued for fraud. For millions of dollars peter popoff was another late 80s televangelist he had like a scam where he used to get people to fill out these prayer cards and do these pre-interviews with them before the show like other people would like his staff would and then he would have like an earpiece hidden earpiece in his ear yeah and then people would come up and he'd be like oh jesus is telling me that you have a bad back and you know throw your crutches away and blah 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 <laughs> and yeah. anyways this guy went in with like this uh I don't know, some kind of radio that could pick up the transmission. Yeah. And he had a videotape of it and he played the like transmission over it. And you could hear like his wife was backstage and was like, yeah, she has a bad back. She blah, blah, blah. Her, this person's sick. And, and so he was basically being fed all the stuff. So it was a big con. And that Wait, was like, now, it wasn't Jesus? No. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus wasn't giving the televangelist information to help him make money to heal people? No. <laughs> oh, God. And I remember Peter Popoff being on TV when I was a kid. And I have actually a clip of Peter Popoff and this is not from that long ago. Are you ready to be totally debt-free? Have all of your bills erased and paid in full? If so, this message is for you. Reverend Peter Popoff wants to show you how to erase your debt. All of it. When you receive your free Miracle Spring Water in the mail, just follow Reverend Peter Popoff's step-by-step -step instructions. Pray over all of your bills, credit cards, bank accounts, all of your debt. Release your faith and expect your miracle. Call the number on your screen right now and let the power of God erase all of your debt. People are seeing debts canceled, new houses, new cars, healings of the most exotic ailments, of debts, lumps disappearing, blind eyes open, crippled people are walking. It is absolutely amazing. I want to tell you, if you'll use the miracle point of contact, the faith tool that I'm talking about today, you could see those debts wiped out, obliterated. God is telling me right now in my spirit that you can see those debts canceled. There are several others. You've got overwhelmingly heavy credit card obligations that are burdening you down right now. God wants to wipe those out supernaturally. So the, the, this, oh my gosh. that's like the climate that was on the go at the time Yeah, when they came out with this Holy Smoke song. So that's basically, you know, it's about this whole hypocrisy thing. That's right. Plus, Plus I think it's a pushback against this whole like, you know, these we, these are the people that were saying that Maiden was so evil and burning the records and stuff. Yeah. And then this is all coming out with them. So. Well, that's what it says, burning records, burning books. Yeah. Yeah, so he's pushing back on them. Man, that, that that's heartbreaking to hear that because you're doing that. And you know, people if, are falling for, for desperate well, people, right? But it's only someone who's like at their last resort. It's like, how am I going to get out under this? I know. I'll get get holy water. It's like That's what I picture is like some poor old person who's like desperate and going to lose their house. And that's like, so horrible. Oh, yeah, I know. Did so. it work? <laughs> um, oh my God. Look, you know what? That's, I never even thought about this. Yeah. So I, I actually have a clip from Bruce from a Philadelphia concert in 1991. And he says this right before they do the song. 
sorry to have to say this, but we're gonna we're gonna dedicate this next song to all the people who um, are more bothered about making money out of uh, their TV shows on Sunday morning and talking about God than they are about actually practicing what they preach. We're talking about the TV evangelists here. Old uh, Jimmy and Tammy Baker and uh, what's the other guy called? He was the guy, the guy that said that, actually the general, oh here, Steve Harris behind me, guy that said that Steve was sort of in league with Satan, alright? All this kind of bullshit that this guy was spouting. Man's name was Jimmy Swagger who said that. And he even he even went as so far as to make a, a nice little pamphlet out of it and put Steve's picture on the front of it, which went around. Now this is the same guy that was um, in a motel room with a prostitute. So we'd like to dedicate it to the hypocrites and the assholes and everything else, everywhere else on the planet. Like the line in the song goes, flies around, shit bees around, honey, whenever there's money around, they're there. Hearing Bruce uh, say stuff like that at the end when he yelled yeah. at Holy Smoke makes me want to go see Maiden so bad now. I know. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I had a totally different take on the song. Okay, so what did you originally think? Honestly, what yeah. my perspective was, you know, I died on the cross and that ain't funny, but my so-called friends are making me a joke. I thought it was about how religion got warped. And then as it went on, it says Jimmy Reptile and all his friends. I couldn't make sense of that. Yeah. Say they're going to be with you at the end. Burning records, burning books, holy soldiers, Nazi looks. I was thinking about the evolution of Christianity. And then Crocodile Smalls just wait a while TV till the TV queen gets her makeup clean. I just thought like it was just like holy smoke, look what happened. And my oh, whole takeaway okay. was gonna and look where we are. And my whole takeaway was gonna be like this. The, the my thing I was gonna say to you was it's just like way too much. <laughs> oh, like too and, deep. But of a topic now to I actually on? like this. Yeah, I actually really like this. Yeah, it's you very know what? topical. For Screw me. all these guys that are selling this holy water and stuff like this. If you go to talkmaiden.com, you can buy six 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 oil. <laughs> and if you buy that oil and you rub it on your fists, anytime these religious people come around, you have super strength. You can punch them in the face <laughs> for only forty nine ninety nine. Six 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 talking maiden oil for six hundred and sixty six dollars. Six hundred sixty six dollars. <laughs> One drip of talking maiden oil on your tongue, and you'll instantly become a deep diver, and you'll know all kinds of. <laughs> stuff just like nesbitt does <laughs> all of them officially blessed by nesbitt yeah no i i had to take that this now i like this song yeah it's a, it's a cool topic i'm a, i like what the topic's about like there's a lot of songs about this at the time like mm. in the 80s ozzy had a song called miracle man queensreich had a song anthrax had one called make me laugh slayer had one called read between the lines suicidal tendencies had one called send me your money so it's kind of a you know it was a, a thing that people were kind of speaking up against at the time. Yeah, I've never really been one to get direction from musicians, though. It's like I, I like, yeah. I hated George Bush. Like, I just didn't like him. I was in university; he was annoying, and I didn't think the war was a smart move. And you know, I wasn't really hyper political. I don't like Pearl politics Jam. In my yeah, but music. Pearl Jam sung "Bush Leaguer." Yeah, that's like, a filler track. Yeah, it was a filler track. Yeah. But I remember thinking like. 
you know, I got yeah, one don't... millionaire knocking another millionaire. I remember thinking, like, <laughs> give me a break. That's part of the reason I don't like you too, man. Like, Ugh. don't mix your politics and your music together. Like, I listen to music to, like, forget about that kind of stuff. <laughs> we covered that on the podcast where I told you about my experience. But I've actually heaved their, like, I found, found all my old seats. I threw them in the garbage. Oh, yeah? You yeah, too? Yeah, I'm just sick. I'm sick boner. I don't want to be preached at by a idea. rock star. And yeah. he's there in Davos, flying around his private jet. Oh, we need to... Boner, you're an idiot. I find that funny too now with like social His name boner. Is boner now. <laughs> what an idiot. Yeah, you have a band where you it's know? like people like gave themselves nicknames. It's like, oh, my name's gonna be Bono, yeah. and like, what's your name gonna be? And yeah. he's like, my name from now on is gonna be The Edge. The like, Edge. Oh, okay, Edge. No, don't yeah. call me Edge. Call me The Edge. My new yeah. name is The Edge. I'm yeah, like, you can't you be you edgy. Are, man? Like, you can't be edgy know. with a cap covered up your bald head. <laughs> but anyway, you're, he's a tax dodger. He's like going around like, oh, help this, help that, help that. He gets a tax dodge. Yeah, well, they all are. Maiden's not going on like, you know, telling know. us what, what to do. I, with our... I don't like politics and my anyway, music mixed I'm together. I'm so sick of it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so when I heard this track, I don't go in there and go, oh, what's Bruce trying to tell me? But I, yeah. I already I find that funny with like, like celebrities and social media and everything now. It's like, yeah. it's like something happens and then all these celebrities are on Twitter. And it's like, yeah. you're, a, you're an actor. You basically pretend to be somebody that your job is like to pretend on camera why is your opinion on anything political worth more than like me or josh or anyone listening to this it's worth less it's crazy because because you're so biased and you're you're also just imaging and as a matter of fact i think it's almost the opposite like when 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 i hear someone get on they're like oh my god can you believe that person said this i'm like i kind of like that person more now because i'm like you're an idiot like well i'm so sick of you telling me what to think just so but like everyone has everyone's opinion just because you're fake it shouldn't be based on how famous you are like a political science professor, yeah, his opinion should be worth a lot. But like Beyonce or one of the Kardashians, why do people care what they think about anything? Yeah, it's just retarded. Although, know. although to be a political science person now or any of that stuff, you basically got to be like, well, communism if it was tried, you know, be great. <laughs> best thing ever. I mean, come on, so sick academic. Well, let's actually get into the song. Okay, yeah, we, I'm getting off on a lot of rants yeah. on this episode. Yeah, because because all of the holy smoke. So the actual by, blown by artists. <laughs> yeah. I like this song now. Yeah, I know. So it starts off with an intro. It's a little bit generic. It's like a generic maiden intro. Uh, but it's not bad. So other than that riff, there's not really much going on it's like you know this chords and guitar but i don't really like the guitar tone on that intro at all yeah and uh, i don't know a lot of this kind of sounds like that tattooed millionaire yannick kind of even though yannick didn't write this it still has that kind of vibe to me i don't know yeah it kicks in it sounds real yeah. real maiden and classic in a way but it, this it, it the imme- bass doesn't do much though it's i'm surprised that steve harris wrote the song yeah or has a writing credit on it because you know there's not a lot of Go- there is some bass going on, but like it doesn't sound bass-centric to me. Yeah, what stands out for me, though, is as soon as it kicks in, it's just like quick pace, but really raspy vocals. And it's just yeah. the first time in the album where you're like, ugh, he's singing different. Yeah. You know, it's like really hits you. He is in Tail Gunner if you listen to it, but it doesn't stand out. This yeah. one is like, whoa, what's it going It really on? hits you, yeah. And then, you know, really... no prayer is like, wow, what's he doing? Yeah, you this know? sounds like it could have been on Tattooed Millionaire. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, especially the way he's singing it in the yeah. vocals. I gotta go back and listen to Tattoo Millionaire now. <laughs> Try and get through it. Drink four beers. That's not that bad. I know you didn't like it nearly as much as me. I Half didn't. of Tattooed Millionaire, I think, is great. Half. Yeah. Um, the solo on this, 
has some cool stuff at the beginning of it. Like Yannick does some cool like harmonic stuff right at the beginning to kick the solo off. solo yeah it's pretty cool so that's yannick and then it leads into Dave. i really like the way that solo starts with that like it's like yeah. harmonics he's picking really fast yeah and then you know murray comes in and does like a cool job without adrian though to anchor the solos they're both kind of really wild sounding I think if Adrian was in the band, one of those solos would have been really melodic. But here they're both kind of crazy. There's no one to like anchor or anything. It's both kind of, it's very wild sounding to me. Yeah, but it's, a, it's such a repetitive track. Uh, yeah. It's such a, you know, that to me it's perfect. Yeah, I, I don't I, know. I could complain about, well, now that the theme's kind of... I just kinda... feel without Adrian there, and this is a good example, it's two wild solos. And you're so used to Maiden having like, you're set up with something really melodic. That's yeah. like a counterpoint to the way the rest of the song is. And then you get to like... Dave Murray unleashes his awesome like craziness, but here you have like two wild out of control guitarists. I don't know. I can't. It's like it. you remember that movie Lethal Weapon. Yeah, oh yeah. Imagine two Mel Gibsons and no Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah, well, they wouldn't or, survive. Remember that show Perfect Strangers? Yeah. Two Belkies with no cousin Larry. Oh, you needed Larry. <laughs> Larry's the only person who or, could be like or, Belky. What are you thinking? <laughs> Any of those Chris Farley David Spade movies? No, just two Chris Farley in a movie. Farley. It'd be entertaining, but you almost need the other one there as a counterpoint you know yeah. what i mean pinky pinky in the brain rick and morty <laughs> there's so many two ernie's and no bert, two and no bert. <laughs> it's oh, just God. craziness with no uh, i don't know yeah you need i don't know and the other thing we mentioned i have a clip of bruce's singing on the song um the wrath it's just i don't know So let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not a singer. Yeah. But that's got to hurt. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way to do it where you're not like, I don't know if he's. There was a metal singer I saw. He got opera training and with with, with this lady who trains metal singers so that they get a raspy sound, but without exhausting themselves. Okay. But if you're Bruce and you've been through Seventh Son and then you start singing like this, you go on any depth of tour. I'm sure that would break you down. Like, why would yeah? Why would because you do he doesn't it? have a natural rasp. Some singers no. have a natural natural rasp to their singing. That's right. But this is like put on. He it's... sounds like he came back after 15 years on the dirt. But it just sounds like he's trying too hard. To yeah. I don't know. It doesn't sound. It doesn't make sense. I don't and know. And he this... has one of the best voices in metal. It does. And it's yeah. like diffuse it. But it's got kind of these echoey rasp to it, where it's almost like it doesn't even sound good. Like it just it's so wrong. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I hate it. I don't like his singing, and that's part of what I don't like about this album. Yeah. Like, I could forgive it here and there on a song here, or if he used it sparingly, but, like, he uses it all over this album. And to me, it's a real turn-off. 
Yeah. And it doesn't, I don't think it aged well, that sound of that singing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's very dated. Yeah. But maybe it's, it's just it's turn only... off for me too, Ness, but I barely get aroused when I listen to this album. <laughs> barely. Something else I want to say about Adrian not being in the band yeah. is, so you have songs like this, which I don't think are very strong. No. Well, I, now that my major problem was that but Sonic, I died on the cross. Yeah. And okay, but not stuff. the, forget about the lyrics and yeah. the theme or whatever. But like, sonically, it's not that strong of a song. It's like a pretty simple hard rock song from Maiden. Yeah, but it's not, it's not weak. I don't know. Like, I think if Adrian was still in the band, and mm-hmm. I don't mean to keep harping on this whole Adrian thing, but I was just mentioning this about the solos. But another thing that occurs to me is Adrian contributes songwriting, especially in, like, Somewhere in Time. Remember how he stepped up and wrote, like, some yeah. of the best songs on there? Like, I think if Adrian was still in the band, he would have, and if they had have taken the time to really work on the songs... Adrian probably would have had, because he came up with Hooks and You, I think he probably would have had two or three more songs. And those songs, I am assuming, would be pretty strong, because I love Adrian's songs. And I think a couple of these weaker tracks on this album would have been bumped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this would have been a B-side to an awesome Adrian song. And this is the lead single single off the album, too. You know, yeah. it's not like a filler song dropped in, or something dropped in to like pick up the pace of the album. This is the lead single from the album. I know, and, and is, it's I know. it's got a prim- pretty prominent place in the live tour that they did. Yeah. It was like midway through, yeah. I think, track seven or something, followed yeah. Acacia Avenue. And, um, I mean, they had a video. We, we did the yeah. video when we did the video thing. Remember, it's uh, in it's all filmed on Steve Harris's, like, at his house in Harlow, England, at his property. And there's, like, Dave Murray playing a guitar in rubber boots, and Yannick's playing, like, a guitar in the pool, and... I don't know. So this album, has Lauren Harris, a six-year-old Lauren Harris in that video, oh, yeah. playing her dad's bass. Wow. There's like a shot of it. It's funny. But it's a bunch, it's like a, that's the one, that's the, where you always see that clip of Bruce in the, like, smiling in the field of flowers. Yeah. Like, it's all just silly stuff and people riding on a tractor and. Yeah, the yeah. flowers, I forgot about yeah. that. It's ridiculous. Something I couldn't figure out about that uh, video, if anybody else can figure this out, there's a bunch of guys dressed as priests in that video. Martin Birch is one, Andy Taylor and Rod Smallwood are two others. I can't figure out who the other ones are. I think Dave Lights, Dave Beasley, the guy that was their lighting yeah. guy. I think he's one. I think Vic Vela is the guy driving the tractor. Yeah. But there's a whole bunch of cameos, and I'm pretty sure they're all like people involved in the Maiden camp. That's but right. I can't figure out who some of them are. We have if to anyone know. knows who these people are, because <laughs> yeah. I remember when we did that video episode, I was going frame by frame trying to figure out who the people were, yeah. and I never did figure out who they all are. Oh, wow. So if anyone, I'm sure there's people out there that are email me and tell <laughs> me who these people are. people out there are. with more time <laughs> on their hands than you, absolutely. And live, the song, like you were saying, it's like a centerpiece sort of thing. I think they play too fast live. I don't. I don't like the. I just. I don't think I like the song that much. I like the subject matter. It's. It's okay. Yeah. I don't like the singing. I don't like the melody of the vocals. I don't know. It's not a. a the not subject a matter now to me has just to- totally turned it around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I thought it was so ridiculous. I never liked the holy smoke. Yeah. Nonsense. And you know the anti-religious stuff. I don't care about. But yeah. um, 
I don't know. Now that I, I see it actually has a cohesive theme, it makes more sense to me. I yeah. like its place. It it's the same together. reason he didn't like Kill Me Siswer, which is yeah. the B side of this album now that you say it. Oh, God. Yeah, the B sides of this were All in Your Mind. Yeah. That's a cover of a stray song, uh, which we did on one of our B side episodes already. And Kill Me Siswer, which we also did Wait, on no, the same. Uh, Assassination de Provocateur. <laughs> yeah, that's Siswer. Yeah, Siswar. I remember you ripped on the lyrics and you're like, oh don't preach God. to me about like, religion in your lyrics. I know, but also yeah. don't do French stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not unless you know. I don't know. Oh, man, am I am I just an old crank? Look, I a person. I like this song. Old crank. I know. I like this song. Look, I like this. I like Tail Gunner. Yeah, um, we'll and, get into the rest of the tracks next week when we get together. Exactly, so and um, don't, no, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it. But there are some good spots coming up yeah. there's also some spots that I, I I wouldn't rip either of these I don't think yeah. Holy Smoke is great to me I got yeah. one great track so yeah. far and one like mediocre maybe I'll give it a pass track yeah let me guess you went off and you bought the holy water from the guy online <laughs> just to see I have some right here no. deep dive yeah no you did anyway 666 I used Peter Popoff's uh, Peter holy Pop- water to Peter- pray over my discogs.com yeah. debt <laughs> Peter, Peter Popoff, uh, yeah, sells, sells holy water. Martin Popoff writes books. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good Popoff and a bad Popoff. <laughs> Depends what's ready to pop off. So we've also, we, we kind of split up some of the intro. We're going to get into the whole. Next episode, I think I'll get into like how Adrian left a bit because I didn't yes. really want to get into that because I figured we'd never get to the tracks. Yeah. And I mean, we're in an hour already, so. And some of the details around that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, TalkingMaiden.com. Uh, you can go there and Write us an email. There's contact stuff on there. You can go to talkingmaiden.com slash talk and leave us a message. Yeah. And if you can identify the people in the video that no one cares about, <laughs> we will say it on the podcast and you will If earn... someone can send me a list of everyone <laughs> in the Holy Smoke video yes. and who they are, yes. I'll send you like uh, some some Talking Maiden merch. You will get, get merch. Some stickers. We got beer coasters. We got all kinds of You'll stuff. You'll get merch from Nesbeth. Yeah. I printed up a whole bunch to give away when we went on our Europe yes. trip, but we were, uh, you know, we... <laughs> drank too many pints and forgot to bring it with us when we went. <laughs> I promise to roll my eyes and drink a beer if that occurs. Now it'd be cool to see us in it. Someone yeah. will definitely come in. Um, get us on Facebook. We get some great messages on there. We'll do a, a, a another episode soon and, and go through some of the messages. Yeah. And you can get us on Twitter. Our march towards six hundred and sixty-six Twitter followers. Oh God. I know. I haven't been doing anything to get Twitter followers. <laughs> we suck at social media. I know. Media. Every Friday I just post out a picture yeah. and like, this. here's this week's episode. Here's this week's. Hey, look. And like, like crickets. And then yeah. well, I get a bunch of like, like gradually get a few followers after, but I don't know. I don't, uh, if you're following us, you're like, in between Fridays, there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> Dust. Yeah. But that's okay. Um, yeah. So if you, if you do like our podcast, rate us on iTunes and uh, tell your friends. Definitely uh, tell your friends. Yeah. yeah. Tell your friends. All right, until next time, hope the irons are down the hops.